Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. Matthew 5, 13. There are times when I feel as though my salt has lost its taste. The world converges on me to conform to the changes in society or at my job or in my church, and I'm chided to keep up with the times. Sometimes I cave and wonder why the big struggle. Those are times when my salt has lost its saltiness and is good only for trampling underfoot. What worth am I to my family if I don't stand by my beliefs, my morals, my Lord even, at the risk of being outside the box that is the rest of the world? What worth am I to my family if I'm not salty? If I am the salt of the earth, as Jesus says in my opening verse, then by standing firm, I'm worth more than my conformity to excel as a cool parent in my children's eyes or to be considered a forward-thinking citizen in my community's gaze or a church reformer at the parish level in my diocese. In my saltiness, I'll still be there for my children wherever they are. I'll continue to volunteer within my community with grace and I'll witness to the Lord as I work out my own salvation in my local church without supporting the secular national trend. My saltiness is who I am, and it'll only enhance the flavor of those I infuse with it. I'm not prepared to be trampled underfoot. Are you? Good afternoon and good evening. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNenny, and I'm going to be talking about my life as a homeschooler with my blue-eyed cowboy and our four children. The children are all grown now, but we all know once a homeschooler, always a homeschooler. And I still have plenty of up-to-date tales about the family that derive directly from their exposure during their formative years to our stellar methods of parenting. My cowboy and I are living alone together in merry old England for the moment, getting used to this thing called empty nest and stumbling upon God in our busy days, smoothing the way for us in his quiet encouragement. Our lives for the most part are ordinary at the moment, but according to most of those who know us, nothing we do is that ordinary. We're selling a property here in London, which is an ongoing project. I think we finally found a home for all my father's tools in the garage. Far better than tossing them in the rubbish bins. Each week, I invite someone to join me during this hour and we talk about the delights and insights of parenthood. Whether they're homeschoolers or not, we put the world to rights on the issues of child rearing. I think you'll find our chats will always speak straight to the heart of parents who put their children above their highest joy. Today, Jodie Halstead will be with me after the first break, and we're going to chat about taking holidays and forging memories in and around our back 40s. 
First off, though, it's time we touched on my blue-eyed cowboy's struggles with living in England. Another trip to the palace, we just couldn't stay away. Discovering the circle of interconnected homeschooling guests I've formed, tolerance in the homeschool, and uh, maybe a couple of new English expressions that have cropped up in our day-to-day living. I'm drinking iced sparkling water this afternoon and eating some seeds, a very healthy combination, although it's cold outside. I should be drinking a hot cup of tea. I wish you could join me in person, but at least you can listen to me spout on while you sit comfortably. So let's begin, shall we? First off, a question. What were you doing last Thursday? Starting your homeschool day, enjoying your family, making choices about what to do with your children. Looking forward to the new school year, perhaps, drawing up a book list, discussing what you're going to be learning about in the coming weeks? Or were you worried that government officials may come knocking at your door and take your children away? What? Of course not. Last week, I spoke about going back to school and what it meant for me as a homeschooler. This week, I'm going to be emphasising the overriding privilege we have as Americans to homeschool our children or not, depending on our parental right of choice. The Universal Declaration on Human Rights, adopted in 1948 after World War II in response to the ravages wrought on citizens under Hitler's rule, and traditionally upheld by the American Supreme Court, states in Article 26.3, parents have a prior right to choose the kind of education that shall be given to their children. I hope we aren't taking that for granted because the Wunderlich family in Germany last Thursday were just getting ready to start their homeschool day when many police and government officials came to their door, barged in and took away their four children, ages seven to 14. One official said to the parents as he was leaving, don't expect to be seeing them anytime soon. Because of the Parental Rights Amendment, we don't have to worry about happening, that happening to us, at least not yet. This news is alarming. I'm sure you'll agree with me. Germany is again trampling the right for parents to choose how to educate their children. And the rest of the world looks on. On September, nope. We're in September. Last week was August. On August the 29th, this raid on the Wunderlich family by armed German police and special agents took place because the parents were keeping their children out of the government schools and teaching them at home instead. Nothing about um, abuse, nothing about not looking after them properly, just the fact they weren't sending them to the government schools. And we're not talking about 1940. This was 2013 last week. Terrible. The United States government has already sided with the German government, if you remember, as it denied educational choice to parents in the case of Romeike versus Holder. The Attorney General's office successfully argued before the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals that the German government's actions do not constitute persecution, even though German courts have acknowledged that their purpose is to suppress the development of religiously or philosophically motivated parallel societies. This is a Western country. Those pushing tolerance in Germany recognize the government cannot indoctrinate the country while parents have options. So they're moving, removing these options. The Supreme Court's 
Pierce versus Society of Sisters, it's 1925, we're going back to now, states, the fundamental theory of liberty excludes any general power of the state to standardize its children by forcing them to receive instruction from public teachers only. The child, it says, is not the mere creature of the state. Those who nurture him and protect his destiny have the right, coupled with the high duty, to recognize and prepare him for additional obligations. In my book, that's we, the parents. We have that right to educate and raise our children without government interference. Let's keep it that way. According to HSLDA, there are legal scholars in America who agree with what's happening in Germany. Catherine Ross, professor of law at Georgetown University, has posited that tolerance for diverse views and values is a foundational principle and doesn't conflict with the notion that the state can and should limit the ability of intolerant homeschoolers to inculcate hostility to difference in their children. That comes from fundamentalist challenges to core democratic. She believes measures should be taken to ensure that even homeschooling parents teach politically acceptable philosophies to their children. Rather a subjective statement, don't you think? Then Kimberly Urako, professor of law at Northwestern University, joins Miss Ross by saying, surprisingly, the social and legal implications of this phenomenon the, phenom the phenomenon of intolerant homeschoolers, have received almost no scholarly attention. For decades, political theorists have worried and argued about what steps a liberal society must take to protect children being raised in illiberal communities. Virtually absent from the debate has been any discussion of the extent to which a liberal society should condone or constrain homeschooling, particularly as practiced by religious fundamentalist families explicitly seeking to shield their children from liberal values of sex equality, gender role flu fluidity and critical rationality. Where's the liberal in that mouthful? constrain homeschooling? That doesn't sound like a liberal action. Liberalists traditionally support all kinds of freedoms, press, civil rights, elections, religion, trade, and so on. In fact, John F. Kennedy described a liberalist, liberalist as someone who looks ahead, not behind, who welcomes new ideas without rigid reactions, who cares about the welfare of the people. Shouldn't liberalists be tolerant? Others have to have their own views. If, as homeschoolers, we're not to raise our children as a liberal, in a liberal society as illiberalists, and I looked up that word because I thought, hmm, and I do take umbrage at the use because it is so sweeping. Illiberal means intolerant, narrow-minded, and bigoted, which, which isn't how I would describe homeschoolers. We're just exercising our freedoms, as all parents should be allowed to. Then, if we are supposed to be illiberal, then out must go the Bible, the family values, the ethics, the absolutes, the rights and the wrongs, the accountability, the individuality and the choices in order for us to confirm to this secular world that both Miss Ross and Miss Urako are members of. Does that smack of freedom? We all have the right as parents to raise our children the way we see fit, not the way others see fit. The Supreme Court says so. The Universal Declaration on Human Rights says so. But does the German government say so? Does our current administration even say so? Ross and Urako 
and many others like them may believe that private and home education should be regulated by the government to ensure politically correct philosophical content in the name of promoting tolerance, they argue that absolutist worldviews must not be tolerated. As our children start the new school year, wherever we have chosen to enrol them, consider this. Without the protection of the Parental Rights Amendment, that choice may one day be taken from us. The federal government, which can't even balance a budget, would decide what is important for your child to read, learn and believe. The time to stop this is now. So why don't you pop on over to parentalrights.org and sign the petition. And I have to go on a really short break, but I'll be back with my guest, Jody Halstead, in just a few minutes. So go and fill up your teacup or your water glass or whatever it is that you're drinking and come straight back. handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling. That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Shh, listen, something is brewing. The beautiful business evolution is coming. The way we do business is about to change for the better, forever. This is real business at its very best. On Beautiful Business Radio, you will learn what it means to truly prosper, how to nourish yourself and your business, how to earn what you deserve and make a difference in the world. The tide is rising. The change is here. Discover a new way to live, love, and partner with yourself and your business on Philippa Rollins Presents Beautiful Business Radio, where you matter and your business thrives every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time, only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. My guest this week is Jody Halstead, a family travel authority and social media educator. Jody has two girls and she and her family have been rambling since the girls were infants. During these years of travel, she's learned a thing or two about what makes a great family trip, how to spend days in a car without going crazy and how to make flying with your children look easy. At her website at www.familyrambling.com, Jody shares travel tips destinations and first-hand experiences to inspire families to travel together. Welcome, Jody. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Well, you're quite welcome. And um, are you in Boise? Is that where you are? No, I'm actually right outside of Des Moines, Iowa. Oh, Des Moines. Okay. My husband said, where's your guest from this week? And I said, um, Boise, Idaho. Maybe not. <laughs> so Des Moines, okay. Oh, Idaho, Iowa. It's it's actually uh, it's actually 
really common for people to mix up Idaho, Iowa, and Ohio. So Okay, okay. Um, anyway, I was going to ask you to tell us a little bit about yourself and about why traveling for you is so important. So tell us a little bit about you first. Um, I'm an Iowa native, grew up uh, in southwest Iowa, spent the majority of my life on a farm. And growing up, my family really didn't travel um, between the fact of farming is a 24-7, 365 mm-hmm. business mm-hmm. and um, the fact that we really didn't have the, the extra money to travel. So when I, when I was uh, older and able to explore on my own, it became uh, really my goal to do so. I, I worked so I could travel. And when my husband and I married, we were the kind of people who would take those spur of the moment, you know, where's the cheapest airfare trip. And when we had children, we just really didn't want to stop exploring. So we figured out a way to take them along, and and they both had their first trips at about the age of three months. Oh, really? (laughs) So how old are your girls now? Uh, They are seven and nine. Okay. So they've been traveling for quite a while. They have more passport stamps at their age than, uh, than a lot of adults do. Right, right. So, um, Jody, you said that money was wasn't there for travel as you were growing up, and I think a lot of homeschooling families feel that because usually they're one income and they don't have a lot of um, spare money. So, you know, traveling with you know two children, four children, however many children you have, gets really, really expensive. And I know that you talk about any amount of travel you know you can just get in the car and go on a little day trip is just as good as you know sort of thinking well I don't have the money for that big trip so I guess we're not going anywhere can you talk a little bit about that of course that is so true because um you know I'm in the middle of Iowa and most people consider in the Midwest to be kind of a flyover country but within you know, just a few hours of where we live, there is so much history and so much that can be learned. And so a day trip or even a weekend trip doesn't have to cost a lot. And it can give you just as much towards your school and towards your lessons as, you know, a big overseas trip for two or three weeks can. Mm, mm, mm. Um, You talked about, um, you know, sort of, finding history in your state. I know this is really obvious, but some people really don't think about that. They think they want to get away, which means away. And, you know, the right. internet is, is prevalent now. We can, we can always get online. And I would say just, just about every state has its history. And you don't really even have to go to the capital. You can find it in other places. Tell me, tell me some of the places there in Iowa that you as a family have been that's kind of historical or of interest? Okay. Well, one of our favorite places in Iowa is the Amana Colonies, which are near Iowa City. Um, Mm. The Amana Colonies were actually settled by a group of German inspirationalists that uh, that were escaping religious persecution. And Mm. what they did was they bought this big tract of land in Iowa, and they built villages, each no further than a one-hour ox cart ride from the next. 
Mm-hmm. And they were a true communal society. Um, mm-hmm. You know, everything was handled by the elders. They came together to eat. They came together to worship. They were told where they would live. They were told what they would be doing. Um, their jobs were handed down to them. And, and it was very um, insular. Mm-hmm. But it's an, it's an incredible experience now. It's, it's no longer a communal society. But the history that they have there, the buildings still stand. Um, their historical museum is just top-notch. And it really gives you a great idea of what people were escaping at that time of, of the religious persecutions and what they would do to maintain their way of life. So that's mm-hmm. a really great place to visit in Iowa. Um, another one is over on the Mississippi River in LeClaire is actually where uh, Buffalo Bill Cody was born. Mm-hmm. And most people think of Wyoming and Western when they think of Buffalo Bill. But he was actually born in Iowa, and you can visit the house that he was born in. They have um, a great historical uh, area within the town of LeClaire that you can visit, and then there are other little uh, things around that. There is a uh, historical farm type of site there uh, nearby as well. That's a fun one. Um, if you're into the Laura Ingalls Wilder stuff, which we are doing a lot of right now because my girls are right about that age, the Midwest is the perfect place to visit for that. Um, mm-hmm. Most people don't know that the Ingalls family actually lived in Baroque, Iowa for a year. But besides that, you have the sites in Wisconsin and Minnesota. Uh, we just got back from Desmet, South Dakota where we spent a few days and actually stayed in a covered wagon on the Ingalls homestead. We were able to uh, visit the surveyor's house where they lived their first winter in Desmet. We were able to visit the school where Carrie got in trouble for rocking the desk. We were able to, you know, visit the Loftus store. It's the only building still standing from that time uh, on Main Street. And then you also have... uh, the house in the Indian Territory has been rebuilt, and then you have uh, Laura and Almanzo's home, homes in uh, Missouri. So mm-hmm. the Midwest is just full of little gems like that that people know about, but they don't really think about visiting or think that that about making it a, a trip. Yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, reading about it and finding finding all kinds of activities to do. Um, you know, I think some homeschooling families are more creative than others, perhaps. So, um, you know, just going and, and visiting would be would be, um, you know, just opening up your your own your own state and, and seeing what there is there. And I know you started a project and and your project, I think you did it started that one last year fly into flyover country because you know you said at the beginning that the midwest is kind of somewhere that people just kind of fly over or what switch train switch planes or whatever um tell us a little bit about that project because obviously you're passionate about it so um you have a website for it we we don't have an actual website for it what we do have is a facebook page and a pinterest page Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason we went that route is just because there's so much information out there from uh, business bureaus and bloggers and other people that to make a website for it seemed 
kind of redundant. So what we do is we take in the information that others are sharing. Um, so it would be facebook.com, fly, uh, fly into flyover country, and then also the same on Pinterest. And what we do is we partner with uh, CBBs, uh, the Commission, Visitors Bureaus, and bloggers to have them, to help them to uh, feature their information to just more eyes, getting more eyes on it, getting more people involved in it. Because really social media is about people being involved and people sharing the information. And that was really what we wanted to do. What brought it about was a little over a year ago, National Geographic had said that they had a blogger that was going to go across the country finding all kinds of great stories. Mm-hmm. And so I, I got on Twitter and I was like, well, where are you going? You, know, you should really come through the Midwest. There's so much here to find. Well, he ended up going through the South. And mm-hmm. if you read articles, they always go through the South. And the South is a beautiful place. But the Midwest is just as beautiful. Our people are just as friendly. And we have just as many great things. Mm-hmm. They're just undiscovered. Mm-hmm. So what we really wanted to do was to give the Midwest a chance, you know, come and visit us, see what we have, mm-hmm. and you're going to leave with a completely different perception. Wow, yeah. Yes, and so, I mean, America is huge. You don't have to leave America in order to be able to get wonderful um, snippets of other people's cultures, even if, if it's and history, and if the culture maybe mm-hmm. um, was happening many, many years ago, it's still interesting it's still um real and the beauty of it is the language is the same and your money is the same so you, you've got <laughs> that that you know um anyway when do you travel are you are you tied to school schedules and jobs and that kind of stuff well uh my husband actually is a independent contractor who mm-hmm. is able to set his own schedule so we're lucky mm-hmm. with that, but he does have to be to be here quite a bit. He's not mm-hmm. quite as free as we would like him to be. Mm-hmm. And my schedule allows me to pick up and go whenever I want to. And the girls have a few after-school activities or evening activities, I should say, that that we do miss once in a mm-hmm. while. But for the most part, we are able to to pick up and go pretty much any time of the year. Mm -hmm. We do try to stay home during the summer just because it is one of the most beautiful times to be here in the Midwest. So Mm -hmm. why would we leave? Mm -hmm. But uh, we, we travel pretty much whenever, whenever we have the opportunity, whether it's, it's a long distance or a short one. Yeah. And you drive a lot, obviously. And um, later on, I'm going to be asking you, you know, because a lot of people go, oh, I could not sit in my car for eight hours with my children. They would drive me nuts. And um, you have some point. You have some pointers on that one, which we, which we will talk about um, after the break, which okay. we're coming up to in a moment. And I suppose this is a redundant question. You homeschool your girls, right? We do. We started homeschooling yes. last year with our first year, and really? uh, the main reason for that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the main reason for that was because in the state of Iowa, by law, you cannot miss more than ten days of unexcused absence. Wow. Um, we're going on. We're going on a break, that Jody, right now. Oh, of course. <laughs> 
How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Do you ever feel like you're the invisible woman? Too polite to be political, too nice to be real, tame even though you really want to be unleashed, like you're living in a fairy tale without the happy ending. Well, Cinderella has left the ball, and it's time to wake up and break up with our own self-imposed glass slippers and ceilings. Welcome to Le Chic Speak, the polite woman's guide to self-expression, with your host, Jen Duchenne. Le Chic Speak is the Woohoo Radio Network's resident radio show dedicated to helping women turn on their power and turn up the volume of their voices so you can be seen, heard, appreciated, and celebrated. Join us on Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time for your weekly dose of Le Chic Speak with your host, Jen Duchenne, only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. Finally, a show that supports women who are in the midst of a transition in midlife. The show is Second Wind. Here's what certified coach, author, and host of Second Wind, Joyce Buford, wants you to know. It's so empowering for women to hear about other women and their accomplishments. We all need cheerleaders, someone who's on our side. Second Wind is that program to help women connect with other women, hear other women's stories. In a stressful world. Find power. In those stories, learn to discover your passions and joys again. Create the life you want to live to the fullest. Join us for Second Wind with Joyce Buford, Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Central, right here on the TogiNet Radio Network. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. I'm talking to Jody Halstead, and we've been talking about traveling in our own state, not um, doing the big trip um, on a plane or abroad. And um, just before we went on the break, Jody, you were telling me about the reason why you decided to homeschool your girls last year. Yeah, what happened was we found that the state of Iowa only allows you 10 days of unexcused absence. And after that point, they become very adamant about your children being in school, which includes um, letters that say, we are going to have to do an investigation, and during that time your children may be taken away from you, and you Mm -hmm. will have to pay for their care while they're out of your house. Mm -hmm. And that really wasn't okay with us, um, because our, our children were learning so much during our travels. They had visited the Alamo, and they had visited the desert in Arizona, and and done a lot of things that that most kids don't get the chance to do. And so we we made the decision to pull them out of school, mainly so they could have life experiences and uh, hands-on learning. Mm. And did you know a lot of homeschoolers before you decided to do that? Is there a community there where you live? There is actually a very large community in our town, um, and even within our church. There, there are probably as many homeschoolers as there are public school families. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we had okay. a lot of 
a lot of people we could turn to. Mm-hmm. And, and are you enjoying it? We are. Uh, I like the fact that if the girls are struggling with something, we can slow down and really give them the opportunity to to learn it well before moving on. You don't really have that cho- that choice mm-hmm. in public school. And then I also really like the fact that we can can take the time to to learn more. If they're very interested in a topic, we can just you know hit the pause button and let them really go as in-depth as they want to on that topic before mm-hmm. we move on. Jody, with very young children who may forget a grand trip and you've spent a lot of money and you're going, you know, sort of abroad, how do you keep the memories alive? And what do you expect your young child to get out of a big vacation like this? Well, our youngest daughter was about 18 months old the first time that she went to Ireland. And while she doesn't remember, you know, visiting the castles or the the things that, that adults would remember, what she does remember is that it was a very magical place. Um, we did a lot to try to really get them involved and keep them from boredom. And one of the things we did was we would hide little one and two cent euros and you know, they would find them and and we told them that the fairies left them and they must be being very good girls because the fairies are very scared of children who are crying and screaming and and having a tantrum. So every time they found a fairy coin, it was like a prize for them. It was something that, that made them know that they were being very good. And when we came home, although she didn't remember maybe the castle that we were at, she remembered the fact that she found these fairy coins and that Ireland is is a magical place full of amazing things. Mm-hmm. And so when we would go through the photo albums of our trip, you know, she would see the castle and she would say, oh, we were there. And she would have that knowledge in her head, even though she didn't remember it. Mm-hmm. But she would remember, oh, but they had a garden and I found a fairy coin at the very bottom of a tree. Mm-hmm. So while the memories aren't the academic memories that you may you may get from an older child, they're still going to have memories of those trips. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I know my parents traveled with us when we were young and we camped. And my I remember going to Italy and I must have been about three and every time I smell propane gas, I think that's what those little those mm-hmm. little stoves that you boil water for eggs or whatever on them. Every time I smell that, I'm, I'm taken back to that family holiday in Italy and back to the photographs and back to looking at myself, enjoying myself on the beach. And I don't think I actually, as you say, physically remember being there, but that always is like such a lovely you know, family feeling that I get of of comfort and safety, I suppose. Right, right. And that's really what you want out of a trip Mm -hmm. when you're with your family is you want to create those memories that that trigger, you know, just the the funniest things Mm -hmm. can trigger and they'll have that that great family memory. Mm -hmm. And do you find, Jodie, that when you go on holiday as a family, there's a different dynamic you're not working, neither you or your husband are actually working and um, your children aren't expected to do any kind of formal school work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're, the, the whole thing is different. You, there's, there's a different relationship going on between all of you. 
That's true. Um, you're much more relaxed mm. and you have a tendency to take more time and maybe go a bit more in depth than when you're busy. I know my, my children are very inquisitive and have so many questions. And it seems like when we're traveling, we're willing to really, you know, bend our knees and get down to their level and take that conversation deeper than if we're at home and we're busy and we're rushing and we need to get things done. Mm -hmm. So in a lot of ways, travel really opens those horizons uh, for education just because you're you're more relaxed and you're more willing to take that time. Mm -hmm. Do you plan a lot when you when you go abroad like that with your children? I mean, do you, do you plan a lot of activities, things that maybe you and your husband want to do as well as maybe putting in some things that your children might want to do? What we do is we kind of try to make the day, we have one big attraction that we want to see. Uh, like one year we went and we wanted to see the Rock of Cashel. That was, that was our big thing for that day was to visit the rock. And, you know, we, we did that and the girls understand that we're going to do one thing that mom and dad really want to do. And then we're going to do one really fun thing for you. So you have to be patient for us, so we will be patient for you. And it's it's a trade-off, really, for us to to make our children respectful of our interests and our time, as well as for us to be respectful of letting them be children and not expecting them to be, you know, short adults. Mm -hmm. I remember one year I bought disposable cameras for my children, and mm -hmm. they just thought that was the best thing, being able to take photographs. It really kept them sort of busy and feeling as though they were doing something. And then we get the film developed. They could look at the photographs they'd taken or how good they were or how good they were not, you know. Right. And, uh, you know, that, that was something fun for them to do. Um, you go to Ireland, right? You go to Ireland a lot. And did you, you went this year, I noticed, on your blog. We did. We did. Uh, we went in May and we are returning in October, actually, so I can attend a conference in Dublin. Mm -hmm. So the whole family goes, not just you. Uh, I'll actually get to be there for five days on my own. Right. And then my family is coming in and we're going to spend a week uh, visiting some friends and and attending a, a few festivals, which mm. will be fun. Oh, yes, that will be fun. And um, friendly? Are they friendly in Ireland towards children? They are. The one thing you have to remember about traveling abroad, no matter where you go, is that there are children everywhere. Mm -hmm. And every, you know, every place you go, you're going to find a park or you're going to find children playing. And I think the greatest thing about traveling with children is that children have no perceived notions, preconceived notions about what children are going to be like someplace else. They just know that it's a child. So you can be playing at a park and they'll, they'll see another child playing at a park. More than likely, these two children are going to come together. And whether or not they speak the same language, they're going to play together. And your children are going to have this incredible memory of, oh, yeah, I went to Ireland and I met a new friend at a park and we were swinging. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whether or not they, they could talk or anything, they're going to have this terrific memory of, you know, children are the same the world over. Mm -hmm. um, I, when I first started taking my children out, well, 
with my first child, I would not take him anywhere until he was a whole <laughs> lot older because I was just so worried. I thought to myself, what if he starts to cry and I can't stop him? And I know how I feel when there's a screaming child behind me in the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Um, and I try not to do that because I think, you know, I just feel so sorry for that mum because she has to get this done and she's got a child in tow. Mm-hmm. Um, what, you know, what do you do? And I actually find, though, that if I expect my children to behave, they usually do behave. But there are those moments when your child just cannot, will not stop. And and that's so true. Your children really do respond to what you expect from them. And it, it's kind of like with animals. They say they can sense fear. Mm-hmm. I think children are, are very much the same way. But if they know that you expect them to act a certain way, they're going to do their very best to please you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that the, the younger you start taking your children out and letting them know what's expected of them, whether it's a trip to the grocery store, or a trip to the library, or a plane ride across the ocean, the younger you start them, the easier it's going to be as you go on. They know what's expected of them. And uh, it's, I don't, I don't know that I want to call it training, but it really is in a way. Um, we never, even as adults, we don't know how to act in a situation if we haven't been in that situation. And so I think that the younger you start taking your children on outings and showing them how you act in a restaurant and how you act on a plane, um, the, the more ready they are for that situation and the more impressed people will be with you as that child's parent, especially on a plane where, you know, we have so many airlines now, you know, child-free zones and no child on the airplane. And in all honesty, it's just because the children have not been in that situation or their parents are not paying attention to the child's signs. I mean, if children are incredibly tired because they've been traveling all yeah. day, they're going to act up. Mm. But a lot of it, I think, goes back to the parents not, you know, they're rushed. They need to get on that flight. That flight's not going to change. And the stress of it on top of the child, as well as the parent's stress, it, it can really weigh down on a child. Mm-hmm. And so I think that the, the more you do it, the more they're going to understand and know how they're going to act. Mm, but then also just, I'm sorry, just being prepared and knowing what calms your child and having that with you yeah. is also just so necessary. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Jody, we've got to go on a short break. And um, after the break, we'll be talking about state fairs. So come right back. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNitty, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Information about book publishing is power. The power to change your authoring life and the power to change the lives of your readers. So join us for Your Guide to Book Publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 Pacific on the Rockstar Radio Network. We'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now. As the book shepherd, Dr. Judith Bryles is in. And each week, she will include publishing professionals that will reveal tips and secrets to the author's journey. If there is a book in you, you want to listen, learn, 
And yes, call in with your questions each week. For more on Judith and what she can do for you, check out her website, thebookshepherd.com. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Thursday evenings at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Rockstar Radio Network. Join us for Self-Age Success Stories with Helen Wu. Wednesday nights at 10, 9 Central on Toginet.com. Helen Wu was born and raised in San Francisco's Chinatown. And after a very difficult upbringing, fighting depression, abuse, and addictions, she finally finds herself genuinely happy inside and out. Helen believes in taking our positive thinking and doing something positive to achieve a positive outcome. She's here to make a positive difference in your life, to be your game changer, your aha moment mentor. She's ready to help both men and women get into a better place. Helen Wu is also the author of Self-Aid Success Stories, 25 Success Stories from Successful Entrepreneurs. Inspired by Ellen DeGeneres, Helen wants the world to know that just because we find ourselves in a difficult situation doesn't mean we have to stay there. We can aid ourselves to a better life. So join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu. Wednesday nights at 10, 9 Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, I'm talking to Jody Halstead, and we're talking about travel in general with our children and um, particularly traveling and experiencing wonderful events in our own states. Jodi, um, what are your tips for visiting large attractions? We have a state fair coming up in our state of Texas at the end of September and I know as a family we used to love going to the fair and I know that um, you have some tips because you have a fair in your state of Iowa that you like to go to. So give us some tips about state fair trips. Well, the state fairs are really just a big gathering of of people celebrating the culture of their own state. And so you get a lot of different types of people. And um, I haven't been to the state fair of Texas and Dallas, but I have been um, to Iowa many times. And Iowa's state fair is known the world over just because of the books and the songs and the musicals, which is, which is really quite funny to think of, but we get international visitors uh, every year. And so it's a very busy place. Um, my first my first tip would be to really know the layout of your state fair if you've never been. Get on their website. It's usually very detailed. And just kind of understand where everything sets. Um, if there are animals at the state fair, where are those animal barns? in relation to maybe the children's area of the fair or the free entertainment stages and really get to know the layout so that you can know which gate is maybe the best to enter through or where the closest parking is. So you just have a really good idea of an understanding of where you plan to be. Um, the next thing I would do is check the parking. Uh, state fairs, can bring in hundreds of thousands of visitors a day and the parking is obviously at a premium um, in Iowa the houses all around the state fair these people will open up their yards and 
you know, you'll pay five or six dollars to park in their yard, Mm -hmm. but it's it's nice and close. Or there's also the option of taking a shuttle bus from a predetermined location to the fair for a dollar round trip. So know your parking and transportation options because that's going to be really important. There's nothing worse than walking around a state fair all day long, having tired feet and tired kids, and then realizing you have to walk 10 blocks to your car. That's right. (laughs) Um, Also, if your children are young, make sure you bring a stroller or a wagon, something that you're going to be comfortable pushing and pulling all day. Mm -hmm. I know that we were so sad when the girls outgrew the stroller and the wagon because Mm – it carried everything for us. So yeah. after the children are out of that, then you're toting around anything that you happen to purchase or the kids happen to make or you happen to pick up somewhere. But having having a stroller or a wagon if the children are really young and once they're older, um, definitely a backpack mm-hmm. if you can carry it into your state fair. Again, to easily carry that stuff that you're going to be picking up because you never leave empty-handed. Uh, the next thing I would say is... You're going to eat junk food, so yeah. make peace Make peace with that before you go <laughs> because although you can find healthy options, it's very hard to get the, you know, pineapple on a stick when it's right next door to the fresh baked chocolate chip cookies. Yeah. Um, so make peace with that. It's one day. It's it's not going to cause lasting damage to your family. Well, and, and what, to interrupt slightly there because it's on the food thing, what we would do as a family is – we would share a thing, mm-hmm. you know, because they're always like, there's enough for each of us just to have a bite of the latest thing, like deep fried Mars bars or whatever they're doing that year. Mm-hmm. And that way you can, you can hit lots of it and you can have a little bite of loads of things. So that was always exactly. good. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and that also helps to keep your costs down yeah. because state fairs can be expensive. Mm-hmm. It may only cost you a few dollars to get in. But the food costs more and, you know, there's always things to buy. It's it's not an inexpensive outing for a family, no. but it is one of those memorable, memorable things. Yeah. Um, another thing you might want to check is on the website, see if they have um, ticket packages mm-hmm. beforehand. They usually cut off a few days before the fair, but I know at the Iowa State Fair they have ticket packages uh, for children that include – carnival rides and entry fees and I want to say it includes a couple of food tickets so it includes everything in one price and gives you a bit of a discount and that's that's very nice if you know you're going to go to plan ahead to do that as well and you have a tips page on your website is that right I do um, on the front page of family rambling it's right in the middle and it says travel tips and tricks And right there is where I outline um, some of my favorite tips for flying, driving, camping, and uh, and just overall making your travel easier and less stressful. Well, Jody, uh, we come to the end of our time. I've been talking to Jody Halstead, a family travel authority and social media educator. Her family has been rambling since her girls were infants, and in those years of travel, she's learned a thing or two about what makes a great family trip. At her website, www.familyrambling.com, Judy shares family travel tips and lots of fun destinations and first-hand experiences. 
Uh, Jodie launched Ireland Family Vacations this year, a site designed to help families plan a magical Ireland vacation. And in 2012, she spearheaded a campaign to bring prominence to Midwest travel. Look around your state, jump in your car and go on a day trip. That's all it takes to build wonderful memories. You don't have to get on a plane. Jodie, thank you so much for joining me this week. I wish you all the best and you have a safe and lovely weekend. Thank you. You too, Vivian. Bye. Bye. Well, my Texan has learned a new English word, rota, as in a schedule showing whose turn it is next to do a particular chore or job, either assigned or voluntary. The chairman of the board in our flats put up a notice and um, he wanted us to sign up for watering duty to help out in the flat gardens and to show that we were all team players. We've had a lovely summer so far, so the first over the last three years, I think, but the grass and the bushes were suffering from the absence of our normally natural sprinkler system from above. In fact, it rained today, so nobody had to go out and water. The memorandum was headed rota, and my southern gent had never heard the word, and I explained, although I didn't really need to because it was really quite self-explanatory, that it's a list of names showing who's Who's going to do something next on the list? Our participation saves having to pay our gardeners a certain amount of money every hour just to point a hose at the beds. But the grounds are pretty big and the hose pipe gets awfully long and unwieldy when we drag it across the lawn from flower bed to flower bed. And some of the older residents signed up and um, one lady said, I'll use my watering can. <laughs> I went, well... There are about four of us. There's a core group of us who go out there and and water. And uh, usually it rains the evening after we've watered, which is typical, like cleaning your car. Um, Another new little phrase is a black Mariah, meaning an unmarked police car, usually quite noticeable along the street when it goes very fast up and down with no sirens, just a blur of blackness. And I asked my Texan, what he called unmarked police cars in America. And we both said, unmarked police cars. (laughs) And we laughed. Hubs and I have fun together. We went to the palace again, this time to tour the mews in the back, in their backyards. Did you know that the word mew comes from a falconry term for cages where hawks are put when they molt? George III decided to turn out all his birds to stable his horses. And the name just stuck. Today, it's not only horses and carriages that they pull, but it's the fleet of Bentleys and a Rolls Royce that are housed there. We saw some of the state carriages really close up. What lovely vehicles they are. And um, all of the cars look black, but they're not black. They're a deep claret, which is the signature Elizabeth R. colour. Then we went into the place... I can't say garage because garage is too common a word where the gold state coach is housed. And boy, oh boy, what a sight. It weighs four tons, is 24 feet long and 12 feet high and completely covered in gold leaf. Look it up on Google. It's absolutely gorgeous. It needs eight horses to pull it and is driven with four postillion riders. And when in motion, it goes at a sedate walking pace. And all the employees at the stables and in the palace, um, well, I don't know if all the palace people live on the premises, but definitely all the the, um, employees for the stables live on the premises with their families. And a lot of people have worked for the royal family through the generations. So it's um, quite a 
legacy to hand on to your your child if they want to follow in your footsteps. And of course, the monarchy is a great tourist attraction here in England. For lunch, we wandered down the mall. That's the red road that leads to the palace. And we saw the changing of the guard at the palace. Not very many people. We watched two sentries walking up and down at Clarence House. Perhaps Charles and Camilla were in. And we went through St. James's Park and down to the embankment to our favourite sushi bar. And I stood outside and there's always um, a hot fan blowing this fragrant air at me from the out from the inside laden with yummy smells of curry and other oriental delights and i feel in grave danger just standing there of gaining weight it smells so good we took our lunch to the nearby park and joined hundreds of office workers on the grass and underneath shade trees and i noticed that there were vacant areas of lawn with signs saying keep off the grass and then looking around it was quite funny because we saw these other areas packed with people and then open lawns and my Texan suggested it was to give the grass a chance to stay green and springy. This was probably a natural rotor. And in the course of the four years that I've been doing this show, it should come as no surprise that some of my guests know each other. Initially, they didn't. But last week, my guest was Nancy Sathry Vogel, the, the mum of Family on Bikes. And she's good friends with and business partners with Jennifer Miller, another um, lady who's out out there traveling and I was checking up on the Giffords website remember they're sailing a 47 foot sloop totem over in the China Seas and Bian had posted a YouTube video on a TV show interview she had done via video Skype and as I was watching and enjoying hearing some of the questions posed by the presenters I was pleasantly surprised by the appearance of Nancy in the final segment she was slated to be my guest that very Friday there were the two of them who'd been or were going to be on my show doing the same TV interview how fun now, if they only had just mentioned my name. Oh, well, that'll come. And that's all I've got time for this week. Enjoy your weekend. We're preparing to go and see Dorts in Dover next week. So I'm going to make some coconut macaroons, her favorite. So that'll be our adventure. We may even be able to go on board her ship. I'm off to the fish and chip shop to get something to eat with my Guinness. So I'll let you get on with your day. I'll be back same time, same place next week. Friday at 12 noon Texas time, 6 p.m. if you're in London. Without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband who believes in love at first sight, my four children who are the result of that belief, the hardworking staff at Toginet Radio, my guest this week, Jodie Halstead, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Anne, Tina, Nancy Millicent, Esme, Carol, Elizabeth, Maggie, and loads of others who are part of my growing audience. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned in to Toginet all day. Catch a lot of great shows to inspire you. Enjoy your children and be safe and go sign that petition over at parentalrights.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Doop, 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 doop. See you next week. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney.